Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying Daniel 2b, that is the prophet Daniel, the second part of the second chapter of Daniel. We ended uh, Daniel 2a with, um, in the middle of a story, we had heard that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had had a terrible dream which bothered, bothered him terribly for a long time, but he couldn't remember the dream. He brought together all of his magicians and sorcerers and soothsayers and necromancers and whatever else, and they all could not tell him what his dream was. They said repeatedly, if you tell us the dream, we can interpret it, but we can't tell you what the dream was. And Nebuchadnezzar was in, enraged. He decreed death upon them all. <clears throat> and them all was all the wise men uh, and advisors, which included Daniel and his three friends, Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah. And then um, Daniel bought some time by telling the chief executioner that to give him a night and he'll get an answer to this problem. Daniel and his friends prayed and the idea came to Daniel what to do during the night. Um, his prayers were answered. So now we're about to start with verse 25. And um, uh, we are at the point where uh, Daniel had just told the head executioner that he has an answer. So here, here it goes. What was the next thing? Um, uh, verse 25. Edayan, then, Aryoch behispahala in a rush. Because uh, now he, he was about to carry out these orders and execute a large number of people. So in order to stop it, he had to rush Daniel into the royal chamber. Hanel Daniel Kadamalka. He rushed and brought and he uh, accompanied Daniel and brought him in front of the king. V'chein amar le, And this is what he said to him. That from among those exiles from Judah, there was he found the man, the Yehuda, that knows the answer to the king's problem. So Ane Malka, the king answered, and Daniel, and he said to Daniel, that had the Babylonian name. Daniel was his Hebrew name, but remember. In chapter 1, we learned that he was given a Babylonian name, Belshazzar. So he called, he addressed him, of course, by his Babylonian name. Ha'isoch kohel l'hoda'utani chelma dichazet ufishrei. Can you really tell me? This is in a question form. Are, are you really here to tell me? Do you really, are you really able to tell me the dream that I saw and its meaning or and its interpretation? So, Onei Daniel Kodomalka Omar. Now here, it's a Daniel, what that means, Daniel says, Daniel answered the king and said as follows. I want to emphasize here that Daniel recognizes that he has a mission and a purpose here, and that is to teach the king the concept of God, what it means, what is the entire meaning of monotheism, what is it that Judah has, the message that his ancestors God has that he can now teach the most powerful man in the known world at the time in that in the Middle East. So he takes the opportunity to immediately explain that 
magic tricks and sorcery and necromancy or whatever else it was that they were doing then. That's not the way to find out. Remember, the, even the magicians admitted that only the gods know that knowledge. And so Daniel right away points out that the magicians were right that only God knows that knowledge. But magic isn't the way to communicate with that, with the gods, so to speak, because they have it all wrong. The Amar, so what Daniel said was, Raza di Malka Sha'el. The question or the puzzle, the, the, um, that the king or the, the mystery or the uh, secret that the king asks about. These, these exorcists and magicians and all kinds of other uh, magicians of various kinds of magic, they are not able to show the king or tell the king what it is. Biram Isai Elah Bishmaya Razin. However, there is a God in heaven who does is able to reveal mysteries. There is a God in heaven who is different than all the other uh, uh, gods that are being worshipped by these magicians and so on. And this king has been, uh, no, I'm sorry, and this God, sorry, this God has told the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he has let the king Nebuchadnezzar know, what is going to happen in the end of days? Now, this is really important because what Daniel is doing here, he's accomplishing several things. That, but the first thing he's doing is that this God is one that, that is timeless. He goes on forever, all the way till the end of days. Daniel knows that Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful king in the world. He knows that Nebuchadnezzar is not worried about today. Daniel sees and understands what is worrying Nebuchadnezzar is the future, is what's going to be. I know that I'm powerful now. I know that in the past I won all those wars and battles that made me this powerful. But there were other powerful kings and they were destroyed and I destroyed some of them myself is what Nebuchadnezzar is thinking. So what shakes him up, what is the biggest worry is the future. So the first thing he does is say, God, the real God, is timeless. And, and, is, and at the same time, Daniel is also buttering up the king a little bit and making him feel good. God is revealing to you the future. And the, this is the dream that, your, that, that, that was entered your mind when you were in, in bed. And... In, on one hand, that's an introduction. I'm about to tell you what it was that you saw. saw. And it's also this itself, the fact that you were worried about the future, that you're nervous about what is coming down the road, about what's going to be the end game. The, that Those are the worries that bother you when you're in bed at night. And here, Daniel begins in verse 29 to tell us that uh, the... Um, the dream. Anto Malka, again he butters up the king. You the king. Those ideas that came into your mind when you were in bed. These were visions of what's going to be after this time is over. The times that we're living in, someday after that. And he who reveals mysteries, that God, 
He is the one who is telling you what's going to be. God was talking to you directly. Um, the um, uh, verse thirty, the Ana and I, and Daniel makes it very clear not to take credit for himself. He's not going to be one of those magicians who wants to say, oh, "Well, my magic is better than yours." And I speak not because I have some great wisdom over everyone else and therefore I can somehow reveal secrets. But the reason why I know it and the reason why God revealed it to me is in order to explain to you in order to, to let you know what the dream was and what the dream meant. So that you should know the thoughts of your inner heart. So Daniel is, is, say, is making himself um, a uh, subservient to the king by saying, I am just a tool that God is using so that you should understand. I didn't get this gift for me that I should have greatness, Daniel says. I got this gift so that you should understand the meaning of the dream. Verse 31, this, this is what he saw. So these next three verses, um, this is what he saw. Now I want to tell you a little hint. In Daniel 3, we have a story where the king puts up this giant statue of himself made out of gold and wanted everyone to worship him. So this image of a statue of gold as being something that the king himself thinks of himself as like the most the most wealthy and most amazing, most powerful thing is this is the image that the king has in mind is a statue of gold. So Daniel understands this, and therefore he gives him the following dream: Anto Malka Jose Havayos Havayso Vaalutzelim Chadzagi. You, the king, you are watching the dream, you are observing the dream, and as you are observing the dream, there appeared this. Um, uh, this there arose this giant statue. Salma diken rav vezivayatir kaim lekavlach. It was a, a huge statue which was extremely bright and shiny, and and it stood before you. Vereivay dechil and it it was awesome in the literal sense of the word. It made you. Uh, Shake with awe. It was so big and so beautiful and so shiny and so bright. Verse 32. This, this um, statue had a head that was made out of perfect, beautiful, pure gold. But her, the chest and the arms were made of silver. And And its belly and thighs were made out of bronze. Um, Shakohi, this is verse 33, its um, legs, di farzel, were made out of iron. Raglohi, minhein di farzel, and its feet were a mix of iron and clay. Uminehein di chasaf. I'm sorry, minhon, minhein di farzel, part of it was, part of the feet was iron, uminhein di chasaf, and part of it was clay. So the feet were a mix of iron and clay. So, um, this is what you saw. This was the vision that you saw. And while you were looking and observing this amazing, huge, awesome, awe-inspiring statue made out of these various materials, right? you also saw, 
that somewhere else in this picture, in this dream, a stone became hewn out of the side of a cliff, presumably, or out of a quarry, but not by hand. There was no human being. The stone just hewed itself out of the, out of the, um, out of the quarry. Umechot glory. And the stone presumably flew and was thrown by some force that you didn't see, and it slammed against the legs. The legs are the feet that were made out of a mix of iron and clay. And it crushed the feet. And of course, once the feet get crushed, immediately the entire structure collapsed like a house of cards. All of the other materials, the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all collapsed and got crushed. And it became like, like the crushed um, chaff that's at the bottom of the threshing floor after the grain is threshed in the summertime. And a wind carried it off, just like a wind carries away the chaff um, and blows away the straw. The wind just blew away everything. And there wasn't any place, you couldn't find any, a trace of this entire giant statue, and the stone, which was which had smashed this statue, became this giant mountain, which filled the entire earth. This is the dream. I'm sorry, this is the dream. And now I'm going to tell you the meaning of this dream. So, when as we read through this, we're going to see that how how perceptive Daniel was as to the worries of Nebuchadnezzar, understanding how Nebuchadnezzar sees the world and how he is nervous about the world, and also what you know uh, um, what he should learn, what Nebuchadnezzar should learn from this vision, and understand and know that uh, to to and and once he learns that message. He won't have to be worried and nervous anymore because he'll understand what his role is, which is to worship and be humble before the one and only God. So verse 37, You, you are the king, the king of kings. This is a, a this phrase, sometimes this is a reference to God, but here it's, it's a human reference to the fact that he was an overlord over many other kings that he had conquered. The Allah di Shemaya. But you are such a powerful king that the God of heaven, the true God, He has given you, the God of heaven has given you so much. He has given you power and, my, and strength and so much glory and, 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 and wonder and wealth. And he has given you men that you rule over and beasts and the birds of the sky he put under your power and he made you ruler over it all that's what you are you are the head of gold you are the powerful head of gold so the king now sees himself the image okay i could see i'm the head of gold that's that's wonderful that's powerful that's beautiful that's wealth that's glory the emphasis on wealth and glory um, demonstrated by gold. However, other metals are stronger than gold. After you, there will be another kingdom that will 
come, it won't be as, as glorious as yours or as wealthy as yours, but it's going to conquer you. Umalchut Lisa, and then after that, there's going to be another. In other words, that's why that one's going to be silver. So it won't be as glorious as Babylon, but it's still going to take over after you. And the one after that, which is going to be bronze, Achari Dinochasha, Ditishlat Bchalara, there will be another nation that will come, and it will be made of bronze. It will be strong, but but not not again less glorious than the one that preceded it. Umalchut Rivia, and then there will be a fourth kingdom. Teve Takifa Kifarzo, that will be a powerful, strong kingdom. Powerful and strong like iron. That's why iron is the on the bottom. It's, it's strong metal. Iron is representative of, of strong weapons. Kol Kovel di Kola. Just like iron can crush and shatter everything, so too this nation. So too will this fourth kingdom smash all the other kingdoms and be more and more powerful than them all. It's extremely tempting to try to interpret which kingdoms this is all referring to, and imagining this last powerful kingdom as the more and as many as there are commentaries, there are explanations as to which nations. Um, these refer to in the future. However, the point, I don't believe there's any value in doing that. I think the point here is obvious. What Daniel is saying is that one nation comes, another nation is stronger and, and is more powerful and takes over, and then another nation, then another nation, and eventually you, you may get to a point where, or you will get to a point where the most powerful and strong nation is there. However, that nation, v'di chazai the fact that the feet all the way at the bottom were a mix of clay and iron, that's the, that was the strongest kingdom. It was the one of iron. That kingdom is going to fall apart because, because of the mix of the, uh, um, despite um, the, the, uh, the, the, the bits of iron that are mixed in there, even though there was iron in that mix, there's also mud in there. And what is that? And the toes, which were also a mix of part iron and part clay, part of the kingdom will be strong because there will be some power and might to it. But there's also weakness to it. Now, there's a lot of commentaries that explain what this weakness is. I believe that the point that Daniel is trying to make is that the weakness is, is that there's humanity in it. Humanity believing in itself, not being under the dominion of God and, and being humble before God will always have some mud and will never be strong enough to last forever. That's why Daniel says in 43, you saw iron mixed with clay because it means that in mixed in this nation is human beings. So there's various ways of interpreting this. I'm interpreting this as very simple as what it says. It's because it was human. The clay represents the humanity that will always have flaws. And they will all, never be able to construct the perfect empire that will last forever. And they can't mix one with the other. A perfect society and human beings without God will never work. In the same way that iron and clay cannot mix. 
And in those days, in the days of what I'm talking about, when this mighty kingdom with the clay mixed in is going to be around, in those days, God will then come and establish a kingdom that will never, ever be destroyed. That kingdom that God establishes will never be overtaken by any other kingdom. God's kingdom will wipe out all the other kingdoms and the kingdom of God will last forever. The point being that when the entire world, Daniel definitely knew the prophecies of his predecessor Isaiah and knew that Isaiah had foresaw the days in the future when all nations come under God and all nations are united in the worship of God. That kingdom on that basis will last forever. And verse 45, Just like you saw that stone get hewn without being done by any human hand, and that stone crushed all of those other materials, the gold, silver, the copper, the iron, and 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 um and bronze elorav hodalam alka because in in that that is represented that stone represented right the great god who telling the king about madi leve achrei to know what's going to happen after these days what's going to happen in the end of times v'yatziv chelma omeim on pishrei the dream is real and true and this is its real interpretation they die in an instantly this is verse forty eight. Instantly, Malkin Buchanetzar Nefalan on Poi, the King Buchanetzar fell on his face with Daniel Sagir and he bowed to Daniel. And he offered him food and offerings of, of, of pourings of oil in honor of Daniel. And the king said to Daniel, that you are God, you are God, the one you're teaching me about is the true God. He is the God of all gods. Umarei Malchin. He is the, the, the head, of the, the one above, uh, or the Lord over all other kings. V'galei Razin, he revealed secret, he revealed secrets. D'yichelta l'migle Raza dena. So much so that he has enabled you to reveal this mystery. Adayin, at that point, Malkal Daniel Rabbi, the king made Daniel and elevated him in his position. Umatnan and gave him a lot of gifts. and he made him a, a, a secondary ruler under the king over the entire uh, uh, country of Babylon. and he was the in charge of all of the wise men of Babylon. The parallels between, I didn't mention this yet, but I should have, the parallels between Daniel and Joseph's story are, are, are deliberate, uh, and we've seen many. I haven't pointed them out as much as I probably should have, but I just wanted to, can't leave this story without mentioning that. But Daniel ba'amin malka umani alavirita di medinas bavel. At Daniel's request, Daniel then remembered his friends. The Shadrach, Meshach, Vavadnego. That's the, those are the Babylonian names of Hanani, Mishal, Vazaria, with Daniel, Bisram, Malka, while Daniel himself was at the king's house, that he elevated them to administer, to be, um, to be uh, officers in charge of the country of Babylon. And, um, and when this happened, uh, and just, you know, to point out that, you know, he remembers his friends. 
He didn't just when he became the the big shot in charge, he didn't all of a sudden forget who his friends were when he was not so great. Uh, thank you so much for studying this chapter with me together. Looking forward to studying chapter three and the rest of book of the book of Daniel together.